Welcome to another episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. We hope to enlighten and inspire you each week with a new message from God brought to you by Pastor Dale Walker and other special guests. You can follow along with today's sermon in the Bible app or by visiting our website at hftw.church. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you find your favorite podcasts. We're so excited to share the Word of God with you. You see in your notes, we're in this series called Finishing at the Top, reaching out and receiving all that God has, your potential in Christ in its fullest measure. And today we're going to talk about being all in. Somebody say all in. (laughs) Say, I'm all in (laughs) for Jesus. Uh, Especially like with me, I was raised in Texas. You would remember this date, March 5th, 1836. Um, At the Alamo, Colonel William Barrett Travis gathered the men. Santa Ana had surrounded them and was about to attack, and they knew they would be overwhelmed. And he got his sword out and drew a, a line in the sand. And he said, if you want to surrender, this is your time. But if you want, to, you want to unqualify, commit yourself to the mission you started for, even if it means death, step across the line. And out of the 180, all but two stepped across, including uh, David Bowie that was sick and on his cot, and he was carried across the line. And this pictures something for me, this idea that is a part of everyone who reaches the summit of their potential in Christ. They have what I call an unqualified commitment to to step at any cost to receive all that God has for their life. And and we're sharing in this series because I, I mentioned in the first week that a study had been done of the 300 leaders in the Bible you read about, uh, men and women who serve God. But the interesting thing, out of those 300, only 100 finished their life in the will of God. Two-thirds of the people, a Solomon or others, they quit. They, they, they failed. They got off course. But we're declaring, heart for the world, people, we are finishers, and we're going to finish our race giving God the glory. Amen. And, and so we began to say, well, what does it look like? What are the characteristics of what we call these summit reachers? These people who in their hearts, they go all the way. And first week we talked about they grow every day. They keep climbing. Last week we talked about remembering. They remember God's faithfulness. And today I want to talk about this idea that they make a total commitment. Finishing comes from making and maintaining a passionate and bold commitment to serve Jesus no matter what. How many know it's one thing to make it and it's another thing to maintain it all the way to the end? Um, There's a verse, I wanna give it to you again, Revelation 12, 11, and it's, it's the verse about overcomers. And it says this, they triumphed over him three ways, by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. But look at the third one, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. In other words, they said, I want to follow Jesus more than I want to stay alive. They had this radicalness that they would serve God at any cost. Uh, They're like Christian missionary, Christopher Love, I was reading about. 
How many know today hundreds of Christians around the world will be put to death for their faith? Please don't forget the persecuted church, amen? And he's in a, he was a missionary in India just a few years ago in a, in a place and he was taken hostage. And just before he was killed, he wrote this note to his wife. He said, in, the, in a few moments, they're going to sever my physical head, but they will never sever me from my spiritual head, Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Now, now, there's a kind of faith there that I don't know if we fully get as, as Americans sometimes. I heard one author say it this way, the problem with Christians in America is nobody wants to kill them anymore. <laughs> I think the point is that they are mild-mannered. They are, they are soft. They are Lady Claire, all Christians. Only God knows for sure sometimes, whatever it is. Uh, but I thought it was interesting because the, one of the only countries Christianity isn't growing is the United States of America. And where Christianity is growing the most is in countries where people are being put to death. Why? Because there's something about their spirit. They decided, hey, this may cost me my life, but you know what? Jesus is worth it. And, and I want us to ask God today, God, would you give me that spirit? Would you give me that I'm all in spirit? Not I'm sort of in. On Sunday, I'm a man, but Monday, not in. Thursday, in. Sometimes Friday. No, not Saturday. Whoa, but on Sunday, I'm in. No. Would you be someone who just says, I'm all in? Everybody say, all in. Okay, if you're brave, look at someone and say, are you all in? Okay. <laughs> this is what uh, I want to say today because I believe with all of my heart that the most important moments, the defining moments of your life are the moments where you totally commit yourself. Where you, you say, that's it, I'm betting the farm, I'm in. How many know marriage is that, right? How many know it wouldn't have worked very well if you weren't all in? For, for some of you, being a Christian for many years, you were sort of hanging out. How many know it's one thing to be around God, it's another thing to be totally with God? And, and one day you decided, I'm, I'm going for it. I'm getting baptized. I'm in. I'm not sort of in. I'm in. I, I know when we, we celebrate our 25th anniversary as a church, and I just remember moving to Las Cruces. You see, I was settled there in El Paso, and it was a nice situation at church. And, and I started coming out to Las Cruces. I remember it was real tempting to think, well, what if we just try this out for a while? And I so clearly remember the Lord saying, no, that'll never work. Unless you're willing to sell everything, move to Las Cruces, say, hey, I'm in, even though there's no people out here, until we moved here, until we just, you know, we just said, we are here for this church we do not yet have. <laughs> we never saw God move. There is a moment that defines you very regularly as a Christian. Maybe your family starts to get on you about, hey, you're getting too weird. And you got to decide, hey, am I going to back off here? Or am I going to say, here I am, weirdo. <laughs> what are you know what I'm saying? Are you, are you going to cross this line? Whatever that means. Because it's only then that you're going to experience God's power and his faithfulness the way he wants to show it. Look at this verse in Luke 9, 23. Jesus is with the crowd. 
How many know all through the Bible, there's the crowd and there's the disciples? How many know the crowd's not going where God is going? Uh, the crowd is going one way. Hey, hey, if you're fitting into the crowd, you might check where you're going because all true Christians swim upstream. If you're going downstream, you might want to ask yourself, which way am I going? And Jesus would always do this. He would say, hey, I know some of you are checking me out, but do you want to be really in? And then he would say something like this. He said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily. Somebody say daily. <laughs> and follow me. Now, I think the people looked at him like, oh, like, you know, he was giving him a rat sandwich or something. I don't know. Because to us, a cross is a nice, pretty little thing you wear around your neck. To them, the cross represented him saying, would you take up a instrument of terrible torture and carry it with you wherever you go? Because Jesus taught us, if you really want a great life, you've got to give up your whole life. If you want the privileges of God, you give, give up your rights. If you want God's dream for your life, you'll never get it till you give up your dream. If you want to get all that God has, it comes when you give all that you are. When you have nothing, you will have everything. And, and, and it causes people still to this day, do, do I want that? I sometimes share this funny little story about a pig and a hen. And Miss Hen noticed that this poor widow lady, Miss Amy, she, she was widow, she didn't have enough to eat. And so she went and talked to Mr. Pig. And she said, Mr. Pig, we really need to do something nice for Miss Amy. She's hungry, her kids need stuff. I think we should give her some ham and eggs. And uh, Mr. Pig says, yeah, yeah. And then he says, wait a second. He says, for you, that's an offering. For me, that's total commitment. <laughs> How I many know when God speaks to you, he says in Romans 12, 1, present your bodies as a living sacrifice and don't be conformed to this world because this is your reasonable service. He's saying, this is the only intelligent way to live. Present your whole body. God, no more rights. <laughs> I just have my responsibilities. You have it all. And it becomes the joy. The Bible says Jesus is the pearl of great price. You got to sell everything, but then you get the pearl that buys you more than everything. Amen. And, and so this was the kind of faith that someone I want to talk to you about today had. His name was Caleb. In fact, I'm going to talk to you today about having the Caleb anointing. <laughs> and, and Caleb, uh, and we'll get to this scripture, but before I, I mention it, Caleb Back in Numbers 13 and 14, you might want to read this on your own sometime. But he was one of, of these 12 spies that was sent by Moses in the Old Testament to spy out the promised land. You remember the children of Israel had come out of Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea. They walked across this wilderness. And the reason they did is God promised them, I have a promised land for you. I have a place for you, for your children. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's your destiny. It's your, it's your greatest gift. 
They got to the shore of the Jordan River where this land was, and they, they sent in these spies to check it out. And these 12 spies went in and they came back. And sure enough, they had grapes as big as baseballs and they were saying, this is an amazing place. It's everything. But there are these giants. And 10 of the 12 began to say, we could never defeat those giants. In fact, they said, we are like grasshoppers. How many know some people who have a grasshopper mentality? Right? We will just be crushed. And all of them said that until this guy, Caleb, he stands up and the Bible says that Caleb had a different spirit. Somebody say different spirit. He said, wait, 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 wait. We are well able to overcome because God is on our side. And, and what he has promised, he has taken away the defenses of those giants. Let's go. We will conquer. This is our moment. And all of the people that were listening said, boo, Caleb, boo. We can't do it. And they went in the wilderness. God said, that was your chance. And then the whole generation died in the wilderness after 40 years, except Caleb and Joshua. Because he believed God, God kept him alive. And they crossed the Jordan. After 40 years, they take down Jericho. They go to the place where Caleb's inheritance is. This huge mountain. And this is where I want to read to you from Joshua 14, 6. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Juphanah, the Kenizzite, said to him, you know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea, which is the promised land. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. How many know there's the word in your heart and there's the word in your head? There's the word in your heart and there's the word in the circumstances. He said, I, I, I listened to the word in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed. Somebody say, wholly followed the Lord, my God. So Moses swore on that day saying, surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have what? Wholly followed the Lord, my God. I want you to see this. How many know we can't do anything about our ancestors? You got what you got, but we can do everything about our descendants. If we take the mountain, our children and our grandchildren are gonna have the promises of God. Now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke the word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. Now here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet I am as strong as the day on that day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out, for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. And I just love this picture. Can you see this 85-year-old guy? I don't think he has any teeth. And he's like down there. He's just like, look, he said, give me my mountain. <laughs> don't you love that faith? I'll take on those dudes. Give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day 
For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave him Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day because he, one more time, wholly followed the Lord. I want you to just see some things about the Caleb spirit. The Caleb spirit is something that's on the inside of you that says, I will not be defined by my circumstances. One of my favorite declarations is, I'm a thermostat, not a thermometer. <laughs> you know, I don't register my, my situation. I change it. I come in the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Some things about him, number one, he was of a despised race. He was a Kezanite, which means he was one of the Canaanite people that were cursed. But how many know God is not a respecter of persons? He doesn't look at the neighborhood you came from. He doesn't look at your political affiliation. He doesn't look at, at what other people think of you, what he looks for. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord go to and fro, and he's looking for a heart that's fully committed to him. What God sees is a person who on the inside says, God, I am all in. God, I believe you have a purpose for my life. God, I believe that I'm gonna go to the top of the mountain because that's my mountain. And I'm preaching this today because all of you have a mountain. You have a goal and a role that God has called you to in the earth. You have a reason why you are here that's not about going to work and just living another day. God has called a plan for your life and every season of your life that is bigger and brighter than anything you could ever do. There is a, a role. This is a mountain. This is what I'm talking about. If you're married, God has a mountain for your marriage. When I got married, the Lord says, hey, I'm loaning you my daughter, but you have a mission. The day you hand her hand to me, I want her to be more like Jesus than when I gave her to you. How many know that's a mountain? <laughs> you have a calling for your family. Your mountain is as for me and my children. Can I ask you, is that your mountain? They shall follow the Lord. You have a mountain in your heart, in your character to be a light for Jesus Christ. You're the only love letter of God people are gonna read. You have a call. There's something you're to do. You're to, you're to be a part, I hope, of this mission that we call taking spiritual seekers and turning them into passionate followers of Jesus who change the world. You're called to do things that are going to mean that people go to heaven instead of hell. You're called into an assignment. I don't know what it is. You know, it's, it's, maybe, it's maybe in the business world to bring the name of Jesus honor and fame. You may be in the world of education. You got a mountain. You're going to say, these children are going to learn to read in Jesus' name. You may have a mountain in the medical field. You may have a mountain in the legal field. You may have a mountain just in your family. Your family, somebody's family here is a mission field for Jesus Christ. And, and you have to hear this. If you don't claim your mountain, 
Nobody else will. And it begins with this. God, I will be of a different spirit. I will claim the call. I, I, I love a testimony that was recently shared by Pat Stoll. This precious lady was one of our grandparent club. And, and she just was telling us her story. And she said, you know, she came from a very painful background. When her husband left her and divorced her as a young mom, she said her life just fell apart. She went into to alcohol. She became an alcoholic. She lost everything. And she, she, she struggled with work because she had a learning disability. She couldn't seem to make it. And then one day, someone told her about Jesus. And, he, and she, she received Jesus. And all of a sudden, she knew she could be someone. She knew that she was going to give her kids a life that she had never had. And she said, God, I, I am I'm going to be yours. And, and she she became clean and sober. She went to AA. She got free. Then she, her second husband, she led him to Jesus. Hallelujah. And then she, even though she struggled, she's working in cafeteria. God blessed her. She said she became the manager of the cafeteria. She retired as, as, as an incredibly successful lady. She began to serve the Lord and her and her household are serving God today. She began to say, you know, those ladies on the street, you see them say, I was one of them and I will spend the rest of my life telling them that there is a God. They don't have to be defeated. They can be healed and live a life for God in Jesus name. That's called a different spirit. I'm not going to accept the spirit that I grew up. I'm not going to accept the spirit of this world right now that says life is hopeless. I'm going to believe and be a different kind of person. And, and secondly, he, he was not only of this kind of despised race, but he was too old. Anybody here ever say, I'm too old? Okay, don't have to raise your hand. All right. I was 85 years old. How many know he said, man, I could have beat up those guys when I was 45. But he understood something. It doesn't matter your age. How many know if the Holy Spirit is in you, you are just the right age to finish what God has called you to do. And I'm telling you, God has another assignment for you. I, I, I'm telling you because I'm there, right? W what an assignment in my life right now. God began to say, say hey, do you remember some things I promised would happen to your church 25 years ago. You know, there's a difference between hearing promises and owning promises. You haven't seen everything God said he was going to do. You're going to have a church that's going to start churches. Someday you'll have to gather in the Pan Am Center. That's what he told me 25 years ago. We haven't got there yet, but it's my mountain. He, he told me that there's going to be 600 missions around the world. We got about 50 right now. He told me there would be a light in every neighborhood of Las Cruces, a ministry we would start. He told me that the next generation of young people we raised up would be the revival generation. 
I know my assignment now. I'm just getting started. Why? Because I got to get the next generation prepared. That's why I'm up at Cloudcroft on Friday night making s'mores in Jesus' name. I got to help those young people. I got a calling on my life. And you have a calling on your life. And it's so easy when you get older to say, well, we're just going to settle down now. Let the young people do it. No. No, you're, you're Caleb. Come on. Come on, Caleb's. You're just getting started. You've got a mountain, this generation. Number three, he decided to be a part of the believing minority instead of the unbelieving majority. Most people you will meet in your life will never dare to believe God for something greater than just help me make it through the night. But there is a handful of crazy faith, radical Jesus people who every day say, I am going to lay claim to the promises of God. And they stand out in history. They always do. They're always that, that one in the natural realm. They're the you know, Roger Bannister who said, nobody can run a mile, a mile under four minutes. I'll be the first ones. They're the Rosa Park says, we're not supposed to sit this place of the bus. I'll sit on this place of the bus. I am not going to be defined by what everyone else is doing. I am a person of mission. I'm a person of faith. There are people who, because of their total commitment, experience the power of God. And I want you to hear this principle. Do you know what faith is? Faith is betting the farm. Faith is putting the whole weight of your life on God. Faith is jumping off the high dive when there's no water in the pool, but you believe there will be water when you land. Faith is what distinguishes these certain people in this world. They just say, I will bet the farm that God will do what he said he will do. And I will see it in my life. Everybody who walks in faith understands first you totally commit and then you figure out how you're going to do it. I remember John Kennedy, but reading some of his stories, he, he talked about when he was a kid, he, one day he, he hit his baseball over into the yard of this place where it had a big dog, you know, and, and nobody would go get the baseball. And he says, how am I going to ever get the courage to get the baseball? So he had this hat that was really valuable to him. And he said, I knew what I had to do. I had to throw my hat over the wall because then I'd have to go get the baseball. How many know there's a moment where you throw your hat over the wall? I'm going to believe. This, this quote in your notes has meant a lot to me by William Murray. Until one is committed, there is a hesitancy, the chance to draw back ineffectiveness. But the moment one definitely commits himself, God moves. All sorts of things occur to help one that never would have otherwise occurred. Whole streams of events, meetings, people, unforeseen incidences, material assistance, which no man could have dreamed, begin to appear. We've used this illustration of Mount Everest because I've been studying this guy, Sir Edmund Hillary. Remember, he, he, got, his, he got his commitment moment after he tried to climb Mount Everest and failed. And he came down and people mocked him. Who do you think you are climbing the high? You'll never do it. 
And he got this moment, which is he was going to hide his head and go back to New Zealand or whatever. And he said, no. And he said, Mount Everest, you can't grow anymore, but I can, and I will defeat you. And he just fully got it. All of a sudden, people started bringing these wisdom into his life. And he met this person, and he met that person. But it wasn't until he was committed. I have found in every area of life, there is a moment. Let me just give you one example. Tithing, people who, who give generously. I have never met a single one there, there are probably someone out there who, who someday, one day looked in their bank account and said, I just have too much money in there. I better start giving 10% away. I don't know anyone like that. Everyone I've ever met who becomes a powerful tither, one day, they're just not sure how they're gonna make it. And one day they read the word of God that says, put me to the test, bring the whole tithe in the storehouse and watch and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and give you a blessing that you cannot imagine. And they write that check. (laughs) And they see. They see God. They say, oh my gosh, how did that happen? We're living better on 90% than we ever did on 100%. Oh my God, it's true. I've seen it in people who, who finally, they've been sort of going around and around as a Christian and they say, you know what? No more of this. I am getting baptized. And they just tell their family and suddenly heaven opens on their life. I've seen people do it this week. We're gonna, next week we'll have our, our membership class. And I've seen people who, who just kind of float around in the church. And one day they say, you know what? I'm tired of just being, you know, a, pa- a passenger on this ship. I'm going to be a member of the crew. I'm going to join this church. I'm going to serve the Lord. They get committed. They step up. They say, here I am. Use me, Lord. And suddenly their life begins to be full of effectiveness and fruit and power. Because it's not till you commit that the power, the blessing of God is released in your life. Somebody look like you believe it and say amen today. Hallelujah. And then it's not until you commit that you know the joy of your salvation. Can I tell you who the most miserable people are in the world? I call them the lukewarm Christian. They have enough of God to be miserable in the world, but they have too much of the world to be happy in God. They're always miserable. They're too convicted. Oh, I'm trying to enjoy the world. It used to be so fun when I was terrible. Now I feel convicted. Ah, okay, I'll go to church, but I don't want to let go of the world. Hallelujah. Oh, it just doesn't feel right. And God says, when are you going to make up your mind? If Jesus is Lord, come on, sell out. If he's not Lord, then forget it. There's this mountain out west that you can walk up the top in a day. And, and I've mentioned this. This is so interesting to me. They say, take this day hike. And so a lot of people start to climb. It's just beautiful. But there's a halfway point where there's this rest area. It's called Halfway Cafe. And you, you get there and, you know, you go in there. And there's cinnamon rolls and coffee. And people go in there. You know what they do, don't you? They start to sit there and they say, oh, oh, this is good. They say, oh, my back hurts. 
Ah, oh, it's nice. It's nice in here. Just right temperature. They say, you know, go ahead. Go ahead. You guys go to the top. I'll wait for you here. And then a few people, they go ahead and climb the mountain and everything's good. They have a few more cups of coffee, but about three o'clock, everything gets quiet in Halfway Cafe. And you see these people, their heads are down. They're going to say, oh, dang it. I should have gone. Oh, man. And then six o'clock, the hikers come down and they come into the cafe and they're like on fire. Oh my gosh, did you see that view? Oh my goodness, that was incredible. We did it, we did it, we did it. And they see the others there. Let's go home. I hated this day. <laughs> and so it will be for millions of people on that judgment day. I started out, but, you know, I got really busy. Just started to check into Halfway Cafe. What? You went to the top? I just, I just challenge you today. Jesus is worth giving everything for. You know, some people say, well, it's hard to be Christian. No, it's hard to not be a Christian. You say, well, I don't know if I can make a commitment. Can I tell you what committing to Jesus is really like? I, I believe it's like winning the lottery. <laughs> because the moment you really commit, you discover how committed he is to you. Someone asked me, was it rough making that commitment to your wife, Sharon, when you got married? I said, are you kidding? The moment I committed, that was the greatest day of my life. Because when I gave up all those other options, I found one so committed to me. Can you imagine to fully realize how committed Jesus is to you? That he will do anything for you. He will forgive you. He will heal you. You say, well, well I'm, I'm weak. That's okay. When you're weak, he's strong. Well, well I, I got a lot of addictions and temptations. Hey, he will keep you from falling. And he will present you before his throne with grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you know, uh, I, I don't have much faith. He is the author and finisher of your faith. Once he's there, he commits to you. He fills you. You become what you never thought you could be, a new creation in Jesus Christ. Living for him is the greatest thing. Can somebody say, thank you, Jesus, for your salvation. You have saved me, and it was worth it all. So how do you do it? Number one, just decide to grow a faith, to believe that God is who he says he is. If you look at Caleb, the difference between Caleb and all the others is they looked at their, they looked at God in light of their problems. Caleb looked at their, his problems in light of God. Those other spies said, we're so small. They, they judged their potential about how, by how strong they were. 
And Caleb judged his potential by how great God was. I'm telling you, it's all about your perspective. I love to tell people, quit telling God how big your problems are. Start telling your problems how big your God is. You know, you can get so intimidated. You can say, oh, but it's hard and I don't have enough money and, and, and I have this problem. Wait a second, you forgot who he is. He is faithful. He is awesome. Can I, can I tell you where faith comes from? It comes from focus. Hebrews 12, one and two says, lay aside every weight, every sin and fix your eyes on Jesus. The law of focus, this is a tremendous law. Listen to this. What you put in front of you always gets bigger and what you put behind you always gets smaller. If you put in front of you your problems and you start talking about those problems all the time, guess what? They're gonna be overwhelming. Have you ever got up in the morning and said, oh, my back feels a little bad. Oh, it's a terrible day. How am I gonna get through the day? Oh, oh. Versus if you get in the morning and you say, forget that. God, you're so good. Oh God, you're the, you're the light of the world. You're the hope of my life. Oh God, oh, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Hallelujah. The problems start to go into the back mirror. And pretty soon you say, oh, that's I see the mountain of the Lord. Can I tell you something about Caleb? So much of your focus has to do with your declaration. If you see these other 10 spies, what happened? In the wilderness, they begin to complain. They begin to talk about, oh, I hate this manna. Life is so hard. I want you to hear this verse from, from James 3. It says, look, what you say with your tongue, life and death is in the power of your tongue. He says, you know, here's how this works. You can't, out of your same mouth, have blessing and cursing. You can't have salt water and sweet water out of the same tap. Once, once you start to have the cursing, you poison the sweet. And I say this because this week I had to repent because I started to notice a spirit of complaining. Oh, so hard. Oh, those people are such, oh, oh. And guess what happened? My God started to shrink and my giants started to get bigger. God show me, you cannot have sweet water and salt water. Which are you gonna have? Are you going to declare a good report? Or are you going to declare the report as you see it in this world? And Caleb was of a different spirit because he declared the goodness of the Lord. Don't you love it when he's 80 years old, 85 years old? Don't you wish he was your grandpa? Come on, give me my giants. Give me my mountains. Hallelujah. God can do anything. He focused and he got filled with faith. Second, he seized the moment. And I just want, to hear, want you to hear this because when these 12 spies were together, God gave them a divine moment to go possess the land 
And all but Caleb and Joshua said no. I have a feeling that they said, well, maybe later. But later didn't come. There's these moments you have in life. Charles Spurgeon, the great evangelist, said that the sin that will take more people to hell than any sin is the sin of procrastination. Well, someday I'll receive God, just not today. Someday, when it's a little more convenient, I'll give my life. But someday doesn't come, and it's too late. Someday I'm going to deal with this addiction. Someday we're going to go to love after marriage. We're going to, we're going to start building a godly... Someday, someday I'm going to get in the Word. Someday I'm going to go get filled with the Holy Spirit. But Hebrews 4.3 says, Today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. If you sense in any way God speaking to you, that's your day. If God puts on your heart today, go talk to your, your neighbor. That's the day. Today, go apologize. Just talk to a brother and he said, I don't know, but I'm feeling this thing like I'm supposed to go apologize to my sister. I said, do it before 12 o'clock. Well, I've been angry at her for 30 years. I know. And if you let yourself Allow the sun to go down on your anger. Your heart will become hardened. Go. Go. And many of us are in a hard place because there were so many moments we had and we said, tomorrow, later. But it's not too late. Today, there will be something. Can I tell you? Every day, he draws a line. That's why he says, take up your cross. How often? Daily. Every day, there's another line. And you just ask God, what am I supposed to commit to today? He'll tell you. And I dare you, if you take that step, you'll find the next step. And you will end up on your mountain someday. Thirdly, take extreme ownership. And I just, I just love this idea of ownership. Because it's so easy to say, well, I, I, I got an excuse. Well, it wasn't the right time. And oh, I just, I can't. And so many people, like I say, they hear the promises, but they don't own them. They hear what God can do, but they don't say, I take that. Heard back in the day, this Chief Crowfoot, he was making a a deal with the government. And the government said, if you let us have this land, we'll give you a lifelong pass on the railroad. He said, awesome, okay. And he got this lifelong pass to ride the railroad and he made a little break, a necklace and he wore it around his neck his whole life. And you know what? He never once rode on a train. <laughs> How many know people who have the promises of God, but they have never once taken a step beyond what they could do by themselves? They believed it was possible for somebody else, but they never owned it. They never said, this is my life. This is what is mine from God. And this is what my life will be. 
They own the fire. And I said it this way. Everything about getting to the top, it's about a passion. And it's about, I have a greater desire for God than I do for the world. But everything in the world is there to steal your, that's why the Bible says, don't love the world. The things in this world, the flesh, the world, it's gonna steal your passion for God. And if you lose your fire, you'll lose your future. And every day, it just says compromise. Come on, you know, just get distracted. Just get, kind of go over here. Just kind of do this. And before you know it, a person you were at one time who was so on fire for God, now you're just sort of that lukewarm, mediocre. Can I challenge you? Don't say, well, maybe someday the fire. No, own the fire. Thank God you're in church today. How many know you're around some hot people? You're around some fire. It's start, you're starting to warm up. I don't know. You may have gone from, from 100 to 200 degrees Fahrenheit. I just need to get you to 212. And then the steam is going to happen. If I can just get you to the boiling point, everything in your life is about to change. If you would do this one thing, get in the presence of God. Never be an onlooker. The Bible, someone told me there's three kinds of people. There's those who see the fire. There's those who get close to the fire. Well, I'm, I'm kind of close. And then there are those who jump in the fire. There are those people who say, God, Moses, if, if, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. I'm waiting for your presence. God, I'm, I'm coming to you. God, I need you. God, I'm thirsty. God, I, I love you. God, sir, just show me your glory. And they worship God and they get up in the morning and they walk around and they just say, God, 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 God. The fire comes and they, 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 they burn and then, and then the steam comes from their life. How many know when you're, you know when you're around someone who has it and you know people who look like they have it, but they don't have it. You know when you go to a church and it has it, you go to a church, they don't got it. You know what it is? It's the presence of God. It's the passion. It's, it's that thing where there's people who are going after God with everything that's in them. And because they do, their life ignites. They become the thermostat, not the thermometer. They begin to affect atmospheres. They walk in the room and people either say hallelujah or get out of here, you know. They just feel when you move around them, there's something about you because you own the fire. And I just declare it today as we're closing, God's going to let the fire burn in your heart again. I'm just declaring it. I don't know what's happened to you. I don't know what put out the fire. I don't know who the wet blanket was in your life. How many know there's plenty of fire quenchers? But I don't care what happened. I don't care what people have told you. I don't care how many of those 10 spies are around you. You can have the fire today. If you give him your whole heart, if you give him your whole soul, that fire means that you leave behind something. I, I know what it says in Hebrews 12. Lay aside the weights 
fix your eyes. What do I, what do I know? What I know is people who don't go to the top of the mountain usually are carrying some baggage. There's someone they're not forgiving. There's, they've, they've allowed themselves to become hardened. They're compromising. They've got secrets. We say around here, it's not the mountain that defeats you. It's the pebbles in your shoe. Unless you're willing to take the shoe off, say, I got to get rid of some stuff. Sir Edmund Hillary said, you don't conquer mountains. You conquer yourself. If you let God take your fears and unbelief, the mountain will take care of itself. But you got to come to God in a surrender. You got to say, God, there's stuff in my life. There's bricks in my life. I'm not getting up there if I keep these. And I am so tired of carrying this stuff. Today, I just throw it away because I want, I want to claim the goals and the roles and the, the possible dream that you have for my life, the amazing future for my kids. I want to change the legacy of my children. I want to see God's glory in my city. Let's pray. Would you stand with me? Today, I believe whoever you are, if you're not a believer, if you're a new Christian, or if you've been following Jesus for 50 years, Jesus is drawing a line in the sand today. He's saying, today, take up your cross. Today, there's another step. Today. Today, if you hear my voice, don't tune me out. This is your day. If you will commit, if you'll burn the bridges, if you'll bet the farm, God will show up in your life. He'll do more than you ever dreamed. Just ask him, Lord, what, what are you asking me? What's my step today? For someone, it's just to claim Jesus as the Lord and Savior. I know God's been around your life, but He's not the center of your life. And today you're saying, hey, I'm ready to stop playing games. Jesus is worth, worthy of my life. And I'm willing to accept His forgiveness. And you may feel something right now in your heart. That's the Holy Spirit. It's knocking on your door because this is your moment. And if you'll say yes to God, God, I give you my future. I give you my sin. I give you my options, my choices. Come and be the, the manager, the director of my life. Bible says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you with your mouth say, Jesus, be Lord, be in charge, you will be saved. God will come into your life. And just right now, with every head bowed and eye closed, I wonder if there's people here today who by just raising your hand would say, God, I'm taking that step right now in Jesus' name, and I'm willing to pray right now and pray that prayer. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer, just a second. But if you feel that that's where you're at, would you just raise your hand right now and say, that's me. Yes, 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 I see that hand. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. 
I see that hand. I see that hand. Could we all just pray this prayer? And if you see me, I'm just putting both hands up. I'm saying, I surrender, God. Just pray with me. Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you came to earth, you died on the cross, and you rose again. And I believe that you are who you say you are, the one who is Lord and who can change my life. And I invite you in. Forgive my sins. Forgive me for pushing you away. And I put you first. Take the center of my life. I will follow you all the days of my life, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, sickness and in health. I will live for you. I receive your grace in Jesus' name. And I tell you that prayed that, you are forgiven of your sins. Your name is written in heaven. You are a born again child of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Others of you today, it might just be, I, I, I'm going to own the fire. I'm going to get the fire back. I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to join the ministry. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to, I'm going to go to Lamb if it's, it might be someone. I'm going to do something different in my life. I'm going to offer my talents to God. I'm going to change how I do my business. I'm going to change how I'm living for, for my retirement years. I'm going to put God more first. Whatever it is, just tell him, Lord, I say yes. And I take that step to commit all to you. I'm yours, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Just feel the Holy Spirit really powerful in this room right now. Just feel the fire of God. If you're here and you say, I need my fire back, I believe the Holy Spirit is giving someone fire. And I'm just asking our prayer teams to come forward. I'm asking you to come forward. If you feel like you lost your fire and you just want to say, Lord, I'm here. I'm here today. Fill me. Fill me with your presence. Let's just sing one chorus before we leave this chorus. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that today's message has reignited your faith and inspired you in ways that you may have never thought possible. We encourage you to visit our website at hftw.church and follow us on all of our social media. May God bless you and have a wonderful day.